there was, I mean, it was a couple months ago. I just thought like, nobody else is thinking about this stuff. I feel so alone in wanting to make a difference online. I know a lot of people who just have said um, social media is a, is a dumpster fire and I'm out. And I just, I think, you know, this is, if it's a dumpster fire, it's a dumpster fire. All our people are burning in. Mm. Like, yeah. Can we not get in there? Why does nobody else want to get into the dumpster fire with me? And so like finding people, finding people who enjoy getting in dumpster fires is a delight for me. <laughs> we'll all be dancing in the dumpster fire together. There you go. <laughs> Make t-shirts with that. Yeah, right there. Pocket pulpit, <laughs> dancing in the dumpster fires together. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast, an exploration in social media ministry. Uh, today, we have Kate Boyd with us. Hi, Kate. Hi. And of course, we have Sarah as well. Hey. Welcome. It's a beautiful Friday. Uh, I am enjoying the last good day that we have here in Seattle. It's about to become a furnace. Hmm. So. I- I don't understand how that can be because you're up, up from me. Yeah. I furnished you in 70. No, no, it's, no. it's going to get a hundred degrees here. Yeah. I've been seeing like Oregon and everyone, they're getting a hundred plus, which is weird because I'm in Dallas and we haven't even had those temperatures yet this year. Yeah. We've had like one Oh, I think we got to like one Oh four last week, but then it rained and cooled down for a little bit. Well, that's and- not Less than half the city has air conditioning, so that's the big concern. It's been sort of a grace for us because if we run ours too much, everybody everything might shut down. So I understand. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's lovely here. I think it's in the seventies. The birds are chirping. Virginia is where it's at. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got Kate with us. Um, Kate, can you tell us who you are? little bit just who you you are yeah well that's actually a very big question um no I uh yeah so by day I'm Kate Boyd by day I work at a university um doing some communications work for them in um one of their fundraising events divisions and then by later in the day I study at seminary at least spring and fall and then um you know in my spare time I, um, you know, like to show up, I call myself a writer, speaker, and disciple maker. I am mm. really passionate about, I'm about discipleship and about, um, community and about how each of those inform the other, um, and just creating spaces for what I call messy middle Christians who are really, you know, love Jesus and are passionate about that, but don't feel like they really fit in a lot of those like progressive conservative like camps, they're in the middle and they're figuring it out, um, holding some things loosely, holding some things tightly and learning to live in that weird tension when everyone else is telling them to pick a side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I feel like wherever I turn, there you are, like you're, you're everywhere. Um, but so what platforms are you, are you on and what are like, what's your preferred platform? If people want to find you, where should they look? Um, so I'm mostly on Instagram and Twitter, um, Twitter at the Kate Boyd and Instagram at kateboyd.co. And I guess it's just a matter of what kind of experience they want. Cause I feel like, um, I know I like Twitter because of the community that is there, that's been built up there and, um, sort of their comfort with big questions and exploring things. And Instagram is more of like the place where you, I feel like you have to sort of be more of a contributor, um, Mm -hmm. and like an actual, like have some answers for people versus like sort of in the navigating polishing, um, thing that Twitter is. So I say like, you know, if you're on, if you want a less, a less polished version or the me that's still trying to figure out exactly how to say the thing that I'm trying to say, Twitter's the place to be (laughs) for that experience. And if you're looking for like the more like nailed down version of that, for me, that's probably where Instagram comes together. That's interesting because for me, it feels like the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so like just hearing that is good for me, like the, 
I feel like on Instagram, I've got to work to put things together and polish things and like, you know, make sure that I take the coffee cup off the, off the table behind yeah. me before I take a picture of myself or something like that, you know? Um, and, and on Twitter, it's, it's more natural, like just poop, if poop is a natural noise, but, um, but it's interesting how, like, it might feel different for different people. You just have a different place that's naturally you. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm comfortable on both of them. I mean, my, my background too is marketing. So I know how to like work with different platforms, but I think it is sort of like the nature of whatever kind of community you have in those places. And they sort of shape the direction that the content goes for me. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, on Twitter, the community is much more like, let's discuss. And on Instagram, it's more like, what do you have for me? Yeah. So on Instagram, you are like the reels queen, the queen of the reels. <laughs> but I want to start with a reel that you made back in April. And I want to start there because I think you're all kinds of impressive. I want to make sure that the people who are listening to this aren't like they hear everything you do and they go, well, I'm not like, I'm not Kate Boyd. But in, in that reel, you said the same Holy Spirit that lives in your pastor lives in you. And in the comments, you said you can adequately minister to people as you are, not only after years of training, not only if you have special gifts and talents, but because you have the Holy Spirit and compassions for others, you can lead. So I want to talk about that because that's uh, a lot like one of the guiding thoughts behind our podcast is helping people understand that they are able to minister to people. It is really intimidating. And I think also by virtue of being in America with an abundance of resources and a lot of expectation of certain education or training or experience that has sort of like shaped our church experiences or our life experiences, we tend to sort of like get caught up in how we are, how we are and are not qualified. Right. And I think too, in our churches, we sort of like elevated specific gifts over others to a sense where it's like, well, if you're not a teacher or a preacher, then like what you sure you just go hang out with kids and kids ministry, or you make some meals or so we sort of like put those on like a different tier, I think. And maybe that's not everyone's experience, but it's sort of like the experience that I've seen where certain things are elevated and others aren't. I think my church does a pretty good job of like mentioning and, and making important a lot of different things. But I, I think that's really bad for us because I, if we look at what the Bible says about who the church is and how we're a body and how we need each other because of the different experiences and the different gifts that we have and the different skills and resources that we each have, like we're all meant to fit together in a way and we all need each other. And so whatever it is that you do, do that, do it well, do it to the glory of God, but it doesn't have to be teaching and preaching and, you know, being the best leader out there or even the most charismatic person, which we have seen is probably not even, <laughs> maybe not even the most qualified mm -hmm. or the most godly, right? So like sometimes those things get in the way. And so I think that you are adequately prepared to do what God has called you to do. And if you're not, he's going to equip you for it as you go, but you won't know until you do, until you start walking that direction. And so I always just want people to know, you know, there are places in the world where people don't have seminaries. They maybe don't even have a printed Bible in their own language. And yet they're still adequately able to follow Jesus, to pray to God, to love one another, to, you know, shape one another and spiritually form each other in a community. And they don't have all of these like fancy AV systems and Bible translations and, you know, 10 years of PhD level training. Like they don't have that but it doesn't make them any less qualified or any less Christian than the rest of us that do. And so I think it's really healthy for us to remember that God has shaped us all differently. And that's to our advantage as a whole. And we need to start like owning the things that we're good at and, and using them to help each other in community. Yeah. yeah and you talk about like equipping, he'll equip you as you go. You just got to get going. Right. And I think that it should be empowering for us to hear like where you're at, you can get going. It's also 
good to know, like you talked about how richly we are blessed with resources and that it's important because I know that you have a big heart for discipleship. It's important that you not just look to, that you in, involve yourself in that discipleship process that you are trying to learn. And it's okay to say, I don't know, I'll have to get back to you. Mm-hmm. And and this morning I was sitting thinking about like, it's also okay to say, I might not, I might, I don't know now. And I might not know in a couple of days after I've read, like what the exact answer is. Like there's like God's ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. his, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than mine. And it's, it's healthy to hold things in tension and to say, yeah, like I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. I have read about this and I'm still not just sure. Like I'm still trusting God and leaning on what I know is true about him. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'd all be better served if we all learned how to say, I don't know a lot more, (laughs) frankly. I had to learn how to say it a lot this last year, you know, just in just these new spaces that we're all in, you know, like that was a collective experience for all of us. And so I think, I think even leveraging the fact that we were all in that place, like nobody knew, nobody knew what the, the way forward was. Right. And it was okay to admit that, um, yeah, I think I think y'all are right. Just admitting and and knowing that it's all in a place of God's going to get us through, however He decides. Yeah. So, Kate, you you've actually created a lot of resources for people. Um, you know, we're talking about people that may not know the way forward, but you've created resources to help. But not everyone has the time to develop those. So can you explain just a little bit of how you how someone can use those resources and where even people can find them? Sure. Um, were there specific ones you were thinking of? I think we were um, thinking about like what what we can what we've seen at your website and the different tools that you give people to start discipleship communities and sure. some of the studies that you Yeah. I mean, um, so I guess I'm trying to think of the best place to start. Um, I think when it comes to resources, what I try to do is kind of like see, I think one of my gifts is that I see gaps, you know, I, I hear what people are saying or see what's going on. And then I, I, sort of am able to reverse engineer where I think it's coming from or what are maybe some of the causes of those things and trying to like fill in that middle space to help people get from one place to another. And so I think what's been really fun is, is developing some of those things that might be helpful to people. So like one of those is, you know, when you sign up for my newsletter, which is called Untidy Faith, you get the Messy Middle Christian Manifesto, which is something that I sort of came up with a few weeks back. Well, I guess it's probably a couple months ago now, but, and that really came from just sort of like being the messy middle Christian and sitting there going like, I love Orthodox Christianity. I love the beliefs that we have. I have not personally deconstructed those tenets of my faith. I find those to be really important for me and, and for Christianity in general, but there are a lot of these other things that I don't hold on as tightly to, or there's a lot of these other things that I wish we bridged together a little bit more, or that we hold intention or that we love and we believe. And I was like, I think sometimes we just need to be able to name those feelings and to name those steps or to name whatever that is so that we can put it together. So that's really what that resource is, is just like it's kind of my way of saying, you know, we are, I, I call it boundaries, not boxes, right? Like this is the boundary of what we believe the faith is, but it's not a box that fits in conservative or progressive or wherever. Like there's, because there's fundamentalism everywhere. And so I think it's important to like, at least for me, I don't really want to be put in one of those spots. And so that's sort of a tool that just kind of like, A, helps people understand that they're not the only ones who feel this way, which I think is really important. And B, gives them some words to say, to put to what they're feeling or what they believe or what they think. And I think sometimes we underestimate the value of something like that. We think we always have to like be giving or teaching or or 
stepping one. And sometimes people just need words (laughs) to Mm. what they do. I mean, and one of those things, and this is a little off topic, but like a few months ago, I had a tweet go viral and it's because I was overwhelmed. And I said, I was overwhelmed and I put it into words and then people ran with it. And so I think we undervalue just giving words to people's experiences and emotions and, and beliefs that either they haven't processed enough to get there yet, or they just don't have the vocabulary for, or they don't have people around them with whom they can discuss to be able to get there. And so I think that's helpful. And then I think the other, the other thing that I, another thing that I do is my podcast. And this kind of goes back to the discussion we were having before about the Holy Spirit equipping each of us. I really I love talking about the Bible with other people, with like normal people, with preachery people, with the like everyone. I just want to like talk about it and get into it and explain things and explore things because I think community is such an important part of what we do and who we are as the people of God. And I think it's a big way of a big way that God shapes us as believers. And so the podcast really sort of has developed into we, I literally, you know, have people apply and I pick a couple people per episode and we sit and we talk through two chapters of scripture together. Right now we're going through the gospel of Mark and it's been really fun to sort of like prepare and to watch them prepare and to sit and to, and to discuss with them. And I don't know, it's been one of my favorite projects that I've ever done. And then the other thing that I like to do is kind of like I want people to have the resources that I wish I had had when I was, you know, figuring things out. And so that's part of why I'm doing the training series that I'm doing right now over the summer, where I'm sort of like teaching about the things that I wish I had known or, or selfishly the rabbit holes that I really want to dive down so that (laughs) I have an excuse and a deadline to do so. And because they really sort of shaped the way that I now see my faith and interact with my faith. So like the one I just did last week is called the big story of scripture. And we sort of talked about, you know, how starting with Shalom and ending with Shalom is sort of, and all the arcs in between that get us there and how they show up in scripture. And even just talking through like the parts of a story and how God wrote a story that looks like the stories that are around us all the time, but like on a better level. And then, you know, next week we're talking about the kingdom of God and what that is, because I think it's what we're seeing a lot of now is all of the different things that we've either made the kingdom mean, or we've built other kingdoms that we're more committed to. And so it's sort of a way of reshaping the way that we think about uh, loyalties and allegiances that we may have here. And then just like different approaches to studying scripture and then a little, and then there'll be a class a little bit on like creeds and heresy and a little bit of like church history stuff that I really find interesting. So yeah, I think I just kind of want to like, I want to create resources that I think are helpful as people are moving through these things and finding that so many of the definitions that they grew up with are maybe not the right definitions or not the things that they believe now, but they want tools to be able to uncover it for themselves, which I think is important. I know that we sort of like live in this time of like, do your own research is like, a, a phrase for a very specific set of people who don't necessarily want to subscribe to experts in the research that they're doing. But I also really hold to the fact that I, I believe people are capable of doing these things and seeing these things and learning these things. And so I want to be there to be a resource for them and to equip them to be able to do the research well when it comes to the Bible and Christianity and their beliefs so that they have a bigger, a wider frame, a greater context for what it is that they're looking at whenever they look and study their faith. And so that's sort of where I think just about all the resources that I make are going to kind of fit in that frame. Yeah. I love that. One of our earlier conversations, Sarah and I, we just talked about the fact that, you know, more and more what's happening is people are not trusting authority figures. Um, And so that's across the board in all the different conversations that we're having right now in our country, the church, uh, police, um, just, you know, school teachers or school principals, right? Like these, whoever's an authority, they're not the person to be trusted because they they're in power. They, you know, they're lording it. And so really what people are turning to is one another as places Mm -hmm. of authority and places of knowledge. 
And so I love, um, as you're explaining those different resources, there's a very like communal aspect to it of, I just want everyone to have access to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I want everyone to be trained and, and equipped and knowledgeable about what they believe is something they need more knowledge. They need more equipping on. And it doesn't have to be um, so that they can then become the place of leadership, power, whatever, in this hierarchy. They just become someone who's knowledgeable within that community. Um And they get to just enter those spaces without really having to change anything about who they are. It's more more so of like, now I'm coming to the table with this knowledge that I've learned, this understanding and wisdom, and I want to share it openly with you. And so that just, I I really appreciate just, I hear that heart in all those things that you're you're talking about. I I think also like, like what you, when you put out your, your podcast and you have these conversations that and things that you're putting out where you are just talking about the Bible with people and going through like, that's just such good modeling for people who are like, well, how do I even, how do, do people even want to talk about the Bible? Well, yes, these people do. So there's probably other people who do. And mm. um, how would I even go about talking about what questions do I ask? And um and so then they can listen and have an example of how to have those conversations and be encouraged that people are interested in those conversations. Yeah. And it's also been fun because that's also like sort of a place of a training ground for me. Like I give them a bunch of resources and I make them look deeply into at least one thing so that they have a place that they can talk about. I call it a, a rabbit trail that they went down. Um, <clears throat> so that, you know, they have a level of expertise on one part of it so that they feel equipped, but they also, so they get to experience that for themselves. Um, but it's also sort of a way that people get some of those tools and interact with tools that maybe they wouldn't have before because there are so many good free things out there for people to use. There's so much good information. So yeah, maybe that's another tool that I can put out there too, is like, these are the things that I give all the people that come on the podcast so they know what to do because it's important. And so, yeah, I think it is, you know, people like me, I never tire talking theology or the Bible and, and it's sort of like, it's the thing that I'm super nerdy about and that I could talk about all the time, but I know that there aren't, a t- I feel like there aren't a ton of people that want to talk about those things. And I don't know if it's just like a certain moment in our culture um, where we are sort of having a lot of people deconstructing in public. And so we're seeing people wrestle with those things more. Um, or if it is just something that maybe is happening more now, I don't, I I can't say that for certain. Um, but I think that it is, it's been really good to find other people, um, you know, whether clergy or lay people willing and excited to talk about some of those things. Like I've never seen so many people talk about atonement theories in my life and I'm (laughs) here for it. Like, let's do it, you know? And, but it also like, I do think there's also a level of, I was having a podcast conversation, um, last week, last weekend. And we were talking about what it means to be elect and like stuff like that. And I, and then there came a point where I was like, but does it matter? You know? So there is sort of like this, you know, level of let's also help people sort through the questions, right? We can get hung up on a lot of these like big theological conversations. And it's not that those aren't important, but if we wrestle with those at the, you know, um, at the sake, you know, of not acting on what we know to be right and true and good, then we're also missing some of that. So I, I want to give people context and knowledge, but I also want to make sure that, you know, we're not just sort of like sitting in that isolated knowledge wrestling place, which is I'm an Enneagram five. That is a big temptation for me. I could sit there and wrestle with thoughts and knowledge and ideas all day long, but I also know that we're called to do things and to be people. Um, and so we need to also be working in those areas. And so I think we also need to find that tension and that's sort of like a, a thing that I think people need to, cause we sort of think about belief and we wrestle with belief. Um, 
And I think it's important to do that. But if we do that without also acting on those things and not just talking about acting on those things, um, we can also end up in a not great spot too. So these, the, these messy middle Christians and like these people whose faith is untidy. I mean, there's a, there's a surge of them right now. Um, whether they say like they're deconstructing or they might say they're an ex-evangelical or whatever they've come to describe themselves as they're trying to put language to the experience, but, um, it's a, it's kind of a common or a not, not uncommon experience that, um, in the past 18 months or so, like a bomb was dropped on the church and on the faith life of a lot of people. And so there's just people struggling to feel like they fit in to where they fit before. Um, and that's really tough, but it's also like this opportunity for the church at large, the body of Christ, and this global gathering of people who profess Jesus as Lord to come together in this new way. And, um, you know, we are seeing that happen online. You know, you have access to people you didn't have access to before. Um, and, and, and making connections and having conversations that um, were probably even, I mean, they're even more comfortable to have online than they were to have face-to-face -face with people. Some of those mm. conversations just feel more natural and safer with somebody online than they might feel in person. Mm -hmm. And so that those, that those people with that experience exist, but also that we have this um, forum, the internet, social media, to have those conversations is really just, um, it's a blessing um, for to be in this situation to meet that need in this way. So how are you seeing more people understand as they, as they come together on social media, understand that it's okay to find yourself in that place and that they're not alone, even if they haven't, even if they're not quite sure where they fit in yet and what they're gonna do out offline, what they're going to do in person? Um, I mean, I think when people discover each other like that, I see a lot of, I'm so glad I'm not the only one, or I'm so glad I'm not alone in this. And so there's a level of support that I think we're developing online because we don't know, or our churches don't feel maybe safe enough for us to to have questions or to wrestle with questions or to even think about things that may go against the grain, um, you know, without judgment or, I mean, I, I live in the South and there is, there is tension around some of these like race conversations and they have been for a year within my own congregation. Um, and it's been really it was a really jarring thing to understand that that was going on and it was going on in a pandemic. So we weren't even able to like be around each other. So I think it sort of like drove that division. It accelerated it a little bit because we sort of like then only became our online personas, which mm. made yeah. it really hard to sort of like see people as relatable or remember the things that you love about that person or that, you know, you spent all of those years in that small group together or, or, you know, helping with youth together, like all of those things sort of like fell away because we just were our online selves for a while. And, and so I think it's, um, it's both hard in the sense of like, you don't have those spaces or you don't know if you have those spaces in person, but you also sort of like feel like you need to be the space for people too, right? And that's sort of the tension that I, I'm finding is like, there are some people that I've seen a lot of online, um, some for better, some for worse. And now I go and worship with them every week. And it's, it's, it's hard, but it's also an acknowledgement of that, you know, the, the body of Christ is diverse and it's made up of human beings who fail all the time. Um, and just sort of like learning again to navigate those things within human relationship, um, is 
tricky and hard. Um, but I think people are sort of like gaining strength from some of their online friends who sort of are in some of those same places that they are, even if they don't know what places that it that is, um, those are, but they're actually, you know, then able to sort of like gain courage or to debrief things or to, um, you know, commiserate or celebrate together um, in a way that maybe they don't feel safe right now with their, their in-person people. And so I think it's, it's a balance. And I, I know there's a lot of people who um, are kind of foregoing an in-person kind of worship experience right now. And, and I get that, you know, especially if you've experienced a, a significant amount of church hurt, I think that's probably safe and healthy for you um, to do. But I think a lot of us are are not wanting to because it's uncomfortable and we see people differently, even if they haven't harmed us individually. We're just sort of like still in this collective trauma from a pandemic and then seeing how some of our people behaved or the things that they did or said in that time. And I get it. I mean, if you'd asked me a year ago, almost a year ago, I wasn't sure if I'd be going back to my church whenever mm. it was all over. Um, Cause there were some things happening that I was like, I, I need to know that we're headed a, a direction. That's not that. And if we're going that way, then I think it's our time to step out. Um, but it's sort of this, you know, after sort of having some people to process with, or even people finding it's weird. It's always, I don't know if it's weird for y'all, but it's weird for me when people I actually know, like follow me online, <laughs> but like having some of them do that and us being able to have conversations about some of these things then gave me sort of a safe space to return to whenever I went back to church in person. Like I knew who my safe people were and we all actually like went back to in-person church the same day. So we all sort of like clustered together to like chat or like have a safe thing. So yeah, I think there's this element of like people are finding their courage. They're drawing courage from their online spaces because they're actually learning how to sort things out. And then they can take that courage into their in-person um, even if it starts small or if they start on the edges and sort of work their way in as is their comfort. And I think people are learning to be okay with not having all the answers. Um, cause I actually don't think anybody has all the answers. It's certainly not all the answers, right? I don't think we can. And I, and I think we're, we're discovering that and we're discovering that, you know, not everyone is, is one thing we can be good and we can be bad all at once. It's just how life is. And so they're sort of like getting that affirmation online that, you know, propels them in their communities, wherever that looks like. Yeah. And I think it also, I mean, you talk about that experience of having people in from your, in, um, I hate to say in real life, that's not at all what I mean, because the stuff I yeah. do, this is real life as well. I try to say, um, in person or oh, I forget. Yeah, I don't know. Local. I, yeah. My local know. people. Um, but the um in person people get um getting into the online spaces and then you interact with them and their mess might be different than my mess. But if I am willing to be um vulnerable, not just vulnerable about my mess online, but also be committed to being gracious about other people's messes, mm -hmm. even if their messes aren't my messes. And so to know that, um, that if I say, well, I'm going to use my online space to process some things and to um, find people who want to talk through some things to understand that they also may be using their online space to be vulnerable and to process and to talk through things and to, and in that um, mindfulness and in that commitment to using our online spaces graciously and to use it for, so that, so that we can grow together as a community, both in person and online with people that we might never meet in person or people that we might see at the grocery store every other day. To, to recognize that mess is mess and we all got mess. Um, that's, that was, um, is always, and it's hard because they'll, you're, you'll want to like sit in the middle of your mess and look at somebody else's mess and be like, your mess is disgusting. 
Why do you have that in your mess? My mess doesn't have that. But then you have to recognize that you are also sitting in mess. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing, so I'll even say, as we were about to start going back to in-person, we got our vaccines. We're like, great, we're going to go, you know, to our weekly, our church's weekly worship gathering together in person. And suddenly I realized that like, I had spent so much of the pandemic angry and like, you know, um, and I say pandemic as though it's over. It's not, it's still like happening, but I think, and I had used a lot of my platform in a way that sort of like processed that also gave people words for that. But then I realized I was like, Oh gosh, like I can't just like walk into church and be angry at all these people. Like I could, but I don't think that's the worship experience that I'm supposed to have. And I, and I don't think that's the worship experience or the attitude that, you know, is healthy in that sense for us to be together. Now, I think it's okay to be angry. I think that's, a healthy emotion. And I think it's good to process, but I think there was a certain point at which I, I think there's a certain temptation to build a platform on anger because it's easy and it gets people fired up and it gets people are like, yeah, us too. You know, that mob thing is real. And whenever I realized that I had to see people and like be with people and, um, I was like, gosh, I feel like, and I don't think even, I try to be pretty nuanced, even in my anger, at least when I process it online, um, because I do feel very responsible for the words that I say and things that I do. But I do feel like that really sort of facilitated a softening of myself whenever I had to actually remember that I was going to now have to interact with some of these people that I was so angry at early on. And I think that was helpful for me. Now, has it helped my platform grow? Probably not that much, but I think it's healthier for us all. And I think that, you know, maybe it doesn't get as much attention, but I think it's important to remember that even in our anger, we're angry at humans, you know, and the things that they do and maybe more of the things that they do than who they are and what that means. And, and, and so there's sort of like, a need to resist the temptation for the easiness of the answer and for the ease of anger that happens, which we can dress up as being, you know, prophets and saying hard things. And I think those are very important things to do. Um, but we also need to be offering ways forward and not, and ways to heal and ways to reframe other people as human beings, even in all of that anger, so that we can actually have a way to heal and not just feel like we can the only option is to cut off everything because then we end up by ourselves and that's not how it's supposed to be either. And so, yeah, I think that's something I've sort of been trying to navigate a little bit more over the last month or two is like, how do I shift from, you know, only being the person who shows up angry and, you know, gathers people in my anger and how do I actually show up to process and maybe point to things that we can do better but um, not make that the the sole thing that I do and to yeah. offer a, a way forward and a way to remember that, you know, relationships are still, they're always messy. They've always been messy. You know, I don't agree with my husband on every single thing. I don't agree, you know, with my best friends on every single thing, but it doesn't mean that I can't still be in relationship with those people. And so I think we need a little bit more of that right now, since we have been so divided, like now we sort of need to find a middle ground or find some of those things and maybe stop, maybe even stop idealizing community in a way that it has to look just like me, or we end up in a place that's not healthy for us yeah. or for the community. Yeah. As you were talking, Kate, it just reminded me of Galatians 5, you know, as Paul's writing about fruits of the flesh, fruits of the spirit. There's just this phrase that he uses in the middle of the conversation. Um, if you bite one another, if you, if you go after one another, be careful that you don't devour one another. Mm -hmm. This idea that like, he knows there's going to be tension and arguments, right? He's speaking into this. Just, just be careful that you don't destroy one another because that's, that's where this ends. 
right? If you put such a, a weight, and obviously it was on circumcision and, and being in the faith and truly in the faith, or, you know, if you worship this way, then you're a true Christ follower. And if you don't, then you're not. And pointing fingers, right? And just the idea that, like, there is one way that this ends. If, if you are the standard, there is one way that this ends, and you will devour one another in your anger and in your strife and in your contentiousness with one another because you're looking at each other as the standard. And um, so I just, it just reminded me of that and just looking to what's the alternative. The alternative is to, to love one another. I think you mentioned that, that in our anger and even in being okay with like, for me, it was loneliness. Like I I found other people who are lonely and like, okay, we're going to move from that loneliness though. To be healthy, we have to be reminded that we're, we're, I have to end up not being lonely or else connecting with people is wasteful. And now I'm just using them to not to feed my loneliness. Right. Mm. And there has to be a, a, a place to turn to hope um, in and not just in, well, now my life looks great or what I want it to be. But rather, I think for us as Christ followers, it has to be turned to. Where is hope in Christ found in this? And how does he meet us in this, in our anger, in our looking for community as we re-enter into those spaces? Like there has to be hope. One of the things that I, I'm going to mess this up, but uh, the lead singer of uh, King's Kaleidoscope was on a podcast a few years ago. And he basically had walked a year with his friends being angry and deconstructing and, you know, angry at the church, angry at God. And after a year of it, he just looks at them and he says, okay, guys, are you, are you done? Like, are you happy? Like, is your life any better? Because if not, like you got to find something else. If your life is not any better for being angry and, uh, and, and living out of that and voicing that, like, why do I want to join you? Like, I'm, I've moved on, right? And not in a sense of like, he's trying to be, um, to move on from it, but he's just saying, hey, look, you've spent a year doing this. And if your life isn't any better, then why would I want to live the way you live or believe that your life is any better? You're not, you know? And so anyway, I just, I hear that, um, just be careful you don't devour one another. Be careful that you don't destroy yeah. one another, that you don't, destroy any sense of community so that's a that's a whole sermon Hector yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was good I'm over here just like amen you know I wanted to make sure that I I started out talking about one of your reels and I wanted to go back to the reels thing okay. because there's some people who believe it or not don't even know what reels are I found out this week that I had friends who didn't know like what, what is, what is TikTok? What is reels? And so we want people to know what, what kind of tools are out there. You, uh, TikTok is its own app, its own thing. And so like when the pandemic kicked off, there was a big surge of people who got on TikTok and they were making these short form videos and of, of all variety. And it's, and it's really, um, I, I always want to start by warning people that when, if you download TikTok and you get on it, like it doesn't know who you are. Mm. And so, and so it wants to grab your attention and it wants you to fall down. It wants you to tell it who it is. And so it shows you kind of like really bold stuff. And so you've got to make sure that you teach this, this app. Like if, if all you want to follow is, um, videos about turtles wearing socks doing line dancing then you've got to watch the turtles wearing socks doing line dancing videos and not the videos maybe about um communism so and there are all varieties of videos on tiktoks for you they really are so that's very important so if somebody comes out of this and goes and downloads tiktoks and tiktok and they're like what did this person tell me to download this is crazy there are some crazy things there are crazy things on the internet if anybody hasn't told you there are crazy things on the internet and you can find them 
Um, and TikTok will help you if you would like it to. <laughs> so everybody got on TikTok back at the beginning of the pandemic. There were probably a whole bunch of 13-year-olds already on TikTok. And then all of their big sisters and all of their mothers got on TikTok. And then there was um, concern about, do we need to shut TikTok down? And around that time, Instagram brought about Reels. It's, it's, it's very similar. I don't know if legally they would, they would say it's something totally different. It's not the same, guys. It's totally different. Um, just the way that uh, fleets on Twitter are not stories, there's something totally different. But there's something there that reminds you. So Reels, um, the people who have done Reels on Instagram, I haven't seen so many of like the 13-year-old TikTokers or, and maybe it's because I haven't gone too deep into it. You don't find as many of these um, really far crazy things in reels it's more maybe maybe Kate has because she's more well I think it depends on your definition of crazy but yeah I mean I I think it's not like extreme I don't find as many extreme things on reels as I do like more middle of the road yeah I mean it's certainly not like effects or whatever there are some I think like anywhere there are pockets of information that feel a little extreme on Instagram, but they're the same pockets of information and people you're going to find that are everywhere. So I don't think that's unique <laughs> to Reels specifically. True. Well, so if, if you found somebody who's trying to figure out Reels, like why would a person make a Reel? How can a Reel reach people? Like what is special about Reels? What's special about Reels right now is that they're new. And if you're trying to reach people online, on whatever platform you use, you want to use the new thing because that's the thing that the platform is going to prioritize getting in front of people. I So I think that's from like a growth and reach perspective, that's sort of the thing. If you're wanting to find more of your people, that's one of the better ways to do it because right now Instagram is prioritizing those reaching other people. And they even go around, I'm even seeing that a lot of mine have a much longer shelf life than a lot of my posts because it'll be three weeks later and somebody is seeing that reel and liking it for the first time or commenting on it. Like it just sort of, and it goes in cycles. They'll then be like another cycle of people um, going through it. And so I think that's one reason to do it. I think the other one is that it's fun and it forces you to be creative with information or ideas. Um, I'm not even that creative with them. Honestly, I just like find a sound and then I like put words with it. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there are people who like have fancy transitions and do a lot of dancey things and like have all of this. It's like a whole production. And I'm like, I'm going to stand in front of my wall and I'm going to mouth words or like point to the air and then (laughs) I'll put words there. But it's, it forces you to think about information in a different way um, that is, you know, maybe entertaining or funny that you you may not have done before, or it, you know, forces you to be succinct. You know, you can only point to three things and you need to figure out what is something you can talk about that has three points that you want to make and how can you do it in this like 10 or 15 second thing, or how can you talk about that thing that you wrote a big long caption on and sum it up in 30 seconds, which is not a lot of time. That's like five, four or five sentences. You don't get a lot of time. You have to be really punchy. And so it makes you in that way, a better creator because you have to think differently about the content that you create. And you need to be able to either talk about something that people have a lot of interest in, you know, again, name that feeling that people are feeling or the, the opinion that they have that, um, you know, is going to resonate with them or, you know, talk about the topic in a way that they haven't heard somebody talk about it. And so I think it's, it's just a fun way to, to put information out there and see where it goes. And the fun thing is too, you can use it as a testing ground or as a recycling ground. And I do both. Like I use it to both like test ideas that I think might make it to posts later. And I also use it to recycle some of my more popular posts 
from the past all then turn into a reel. And it keeps me from necessarily like having to create something new, but it also gets the same message that I know already resonated in front of people, maybe a new set of people or reminds other people. One thing I've started doing recently is taking like my most popular Twitter threads and I turn those into 30 second reels where I pick out the things that I think are what are crucial to get the point across that I'm saying, because Twitter sort of forces you to be succinct too, or to divide things up, at least the way I do it. Some people like to sort of like write and let it cut off words or whatever, but I like to try to like put whole thoughts, even in a thread per tweet so that it feels like any part of it could be retweeted. The thing about Instagram that I like is that I already sort of know how Instagram works. I'm already there. TikTok is new and it's fun. Like I spend an hour on TikTok a day, probably just scrolling through things most of the time. But it's like you were saying, Sarah, it's algorithm is all over the place. And it like every day my feed looks so different. Like one day I'm on dog TikTok. The next day I'm on like, you know, like liberal TikTok. And the next day I'm on like this tick, like there's just so many different layers to it. As a creator, I found it really hard to like find my audience there because it was a very, they, the Christian world is very divided most of the time and I'm in the middle. So everyone doesn't like me (laughs) Um, or weirdly like, or atheists would like, come on my stuff and be like, everything you believe is a lie. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know why you're here, but okay. If that's how you feel, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So I was sort of relieved when Instagram created reels. Cause I'm like, okay, here's at least a place where I know a little bit of how to sort of control it, but at least interact with it in a way that I am a little bit more assured of the audience that it, that it's better for me in the way it develops the audience. And so that was um, important for me. But yeah, I think it's just a good tool to help you think better or differently about content um, that can shape how you create in the future. And it's just a new thing that algorithms for better or worse, seem to run our world. And so if you're looking to get a little bit more priority in some of that stuff, then then it's a good place to expand the reach of your message. And it's a lot of fun. It is fun. I got on TikTok, you know, back at the, back when everybody else was like, either they were like, I'll never get on TikTok. And then a couple of weeks later, they got on TikTok. But so I got on then and it was like, I would make these things and, and literally it was like, like five people would be like, good neato. Like, it's nice that you're here, old lady. And then that, like, nobody paid any attention to me. And so I just continued to, but then when they made the reels, still not a lot of people are paying attention to me, but it's just enjoyable. I enjoy it. And it's like, I'm, I'm creative. And so it gives me, I can hear a sound and pop open my thing and make a reel in like a minute and like under a minute. And then I get this little, um, boost of creative happiness. You know, I, I enjoy making them just for the, for the fun of it. But also the thing that I kind of think about is this short form media and the, and the way it makes you tell a story so quickly and give just the, the highlight. It's sort of like, and I think about the way when you go back and you look at the, the parables that Jesus tells, he'll be like, so there's this, this farmer and he's out and he's throwing some seeds and some of it falls on good ground and some of it falls on bad ground. Some of it grows and some of it doesn't. And then that's the story he gave. He like doesn't preach a whole, he just gives a story and he doesn't be like, here is my 27 points about farming and then all the spiritual connections therein. He just gives a short little story. And then he explains it further with his disciples later. And then people will walk out of hearing those parables and either it'll spark something in there, like a farmer may have heard that. And then he'll go and he'll apply it to, he'll be out um, mowing. What do farmers do? Plow. He'll be out plowing later and he'll think, oh, I heard Jesus say this thing. And so let me, and think about it. And they'll think about the spiritual ramifications and some people would hear it and be like that Jesus guy just tells stories about farming that's who is this guy and so it can plant a seed and start a spark and it can also open conversations like he had the conversations with disciples and and in that way the short form media that's that's 
popular right now. It's the same. You get this little story and it can, somebody will see it and go on about their life. They might not think anything of it beyond that, or they might go on later and see something out in the world that reminds them of that. And then think through and say, oh, this is what that person was talking about. This is what this means. Or it can start conversations with people and you can have more in-depth times about looking at what, what is the spiritual truth that, that this story was trying to tell. So I think that's really, I mean, I really like reels and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm enjoying them. Yeah, so can you, so obviously you're trying things, you're trying reels, you're, you're, you have a way that, that you're going about it. Can you tell us just any time that you've tried something on social media, tried something using one of those tools, trying to build community, and it just fell flat? Oh, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that don't get any attention at all. Even in my favorite place, Twitter, I tweet a lot of things. And I feel like, I don't know if it's just me or if it's engagements down across the board, but I feel like Twitter's sort of like been a little bit less engaged lately. Mm. Um, or maybe I'm just not posting stuff that's resonating as much, which is fine too. So, I mean, I think that happens all the time. I, it's hard to, you know, nail down one thing. I've also been on the side of a, a pylon on Instagram once upon a time when I posted about, about mask wearing. So like people come from everywhere and it becomes a thing, but I think, but I think that's part of the process, right? I, I, what I try to do is hold it all loosely, like social media as a testing ground. And that's kind of why I like Twitter too, is because I can put ideas out there and I can test them and shape them and form them. And then when I feel like they need to be more polished to put on Instagram, I've got something to put there and I, and I sort of narrow it down. Um, and ironically the content that does the best on Instagram are things that look like tweets, which is so bizarre to me, but it's true. And so I, there's, I look at everything as an experiment. Marketing is an experiment. Content creation is an experiment. And, and I ask a lot of, I try to ask a lot of questions and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. And I try not to make that mean anything about me. Like I think I told Sarah this before, I've got a post-it note that says be a helper, not just a marketer. And I think it's important to like track metrics and to see what's working. But if all I'm looking for is that like, how many likes did it get and all of that instead of going, okay, if that didn't resonate, why or why not? And if that did, why did it? And what does that mean about what these people need um, or want so that I can fill that gap for them and be that person for them that either like voices that thing or gives them those resources like we were talking about before. And so I try to use it as an information gathering process. And so when things fail, it doesn't totally bum me out. I used to, um, but that's because my livelihood used to depend on it, which it doesn't now, which is a little bit more freeing for me, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, things fall flat all the time. I, most of my posts these days fall flat. I mean, when I post about my podcasts, like nobody ever likes those <laughs> or shares those, you know, so it's like, and it, cool, it's like, everyone has one. Yeah. And, you know, and so, yeah, I, so it's hard to point to one specific thing because like they, it literally happens just about every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you, uh, on the, on the flip side, cause we always, again, we want to turn people towards hope. We don't just want to say things fail all the time, but is there maybe one, uh, story that, that you just maybe hold in front of yourself? Uh, you know, as you think about just online ministry where you saw God move as a result of you just trying something? Um, so I guess it was about a month ago. I got a voice message on my Instagram DMs from a lady um, who um, showed up and said, you know, thank you for what you do. I actually, you don't know me. I don't know anything, you know, about you. I don't know you personally or any of that. But last year you posted something and actually it made me really mad and I didn't agree and I was really mad about it. But, you know, I took your advice and I looked at it for myself and 
you know, I've come to a very different place now. And I really appreciate the way that you show up and you talk about things or you give us space to process or you've processed things or you talk about whatever. She like, you know, did three or four of these messages and she thanked me. Like she was like, I went from thinking you were wrong and never wanting to see your face again to like really appreciating the way that I show up and I do um, provide space or information or whatever. You know, and then she went on to ask for like some other recommendations or talk about that because now she's walking through a season of, you know, figuring out what church is going to look like for her right now, given some of the stuff that she's gone through. But so it was really interesting. And I get some of those, you know, probably once or twice a month, someone will just say, thank you for being here or thank you for what you say. And I think that's sort of what keeps me going because it is easy to look at how I don't have big numbers. I don't have a big platform. any publisher that I'm pitching will tell you. So (laughs) like, (laughs) I'm aware that my platform is very small, but I am not interested in a platform that is not as deep as it is wide. And so if I'm not actually using that to make a difference, and if I'm not helping people, then I don't see the point in having a bunch of people follow me anyway. Um, And so I think it's really important, you know, to show up and be yourself and just know that the one or two people that you hear from, there's more out there like them. Um, They just haven't said anything yet and, and that people do appreciate it. And so it's those people that I continue to show up for and they, you know, every now and then I'll pop on Twitter and ask for book recommendations because someone has asked me for it. You know, they're asking me, they see me as a guide or someone who has connection or something that can help facilitate, you know, the knowledge that they're looking for or the change that they're looking for. And I don't hold that lightly. I, I take a great deal of responsibility. I'm working through James right now. And he's talking about how, you know, not everybody should want to be a teacher. Cause you know, that there's more judgment on you in that case. Like I take, I take the responsibility of a platform very seriously and knowing that real people are on the other end of this. And just like, I'm a real person on the other end of it. And that if they're trusting me with some part of their spiritual formation, that I need to be responsible and compassionate and, you know, as accurate as I can be, or as gracious as I can be in approaching that. And, you know, every now and then someone says, thank you. And that feels really good. I love that. I love that she said she had changed her mind, that she had gone from what you had posted and had processed and looked things, did her own, looked for her own information and changed her mind and that she would come and say that. Because I think, I mean, so it is so common to hear people say, well, why bother saying anything? Because nobody ever changed their mind on the internet. But people do. I have, other people have, and not just changed your mind about silly little stuff, but changed your mind about things that mattered. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. And it so I think that's a big reason it matters that we try. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that conversation we were having before. I think we're all here to do or say things that are set before us. And it's part of our faithfulness to do that. And Maybe we don't know the extent of what that looks like. Maybe we don't even get a a thank you, right? But it doesn't absolve us from the responsibility of whatever that call is for us. And so it's important. Wow. That's so good. (laughs) I just enjoy these conversations. Yeah. I enjoy where they go, you know? It's fun. You sit it down at the beginning and you think, boy, like, because we've had, you know, a few messages back and forth and, and, um, but it's always really encouraging when we sit down with somebody and it's just like the conversation always just flows. Yeah. Yeah. I love finding people who are thinking about it and who are, because there was, I mean, it was a couple months ago. I just thought like nobody else is thinking about this stuff. I feel so alone in wanting to make a difference online. I know a lot of people who just have said um, social media is a, is a dumpster fire and I'm out. And I just, I think, you know, this is, 
if it's a dumpster fire, it's a dumpster fire. All our people are burning in. Mm. Like, yeah. Can we not get in there? Why does nobody else want to get into the dumpster fire with me? And so like finding people, finding people who enjoy getting in dumpster fires is a delight for me. <laughs> we'll all be dancing in the dumpster fire together. There you go. <laughs> Make t-shirts with that. Yeah, right there. Pocket <laughs> pulpit, dancing in the dumpster fires together. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, do you have any last thoughts before we go? Oh, no. I just thank you guys for such a thoughtful conversation. This has been really fun. Yeah. Yeah, this has been great. Sarah, you got anything? Don't. I've all right. used all my thoughts. There we go. Well, <laughs> hey, thank you so much for, for anyone who's tuning in and listening. Uh, this is a, a fun conversation with uh, Kate Boyd and Sarah uh, Kinzer. I don't know why I get all weird about using your last name, Sarah. I just like Kate Boyd, Kate Boyd, Sarah, we're going to just anyway. Uh, thank you so much for for being on, uh, Kate. And just again, I know you, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but uh, where can people follow you uh, if they, they want to keep connecting with you? Yeah. Um, my website is kateboyd.co. That's kind of the hub for all the things. So if you're looking for me, you can start there. Um, and you know, I'm on Twitter at the Kate Boyd and on Instagram at kateboyd.co. Um, I've got a newsletter and a podcast. And so you can find all of that and more information about that on my website. If you go there, you'll find hopefully all the answers you seek. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. 